attention to the book of Matthew chapter 24. Now there are a group of people, I'm sure none here, that only subscribe to red letters in the Bible because the red letters indicate that Jesus was speaking. But I want you to know that the Bible says holy men of God wrote the scripture as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So they were just dictating what the Spirit had already said to them. And just in case you don't know, they didn't write in red ink, nor did Jesus speak in red ink. However, if you are one of those folks, perhaps, that love the red letters, I'm just reading this text. They're all red letters. It'll make your heart warm. This is the Lord speaking. Are you ready? But of the that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, it's going to be similar to the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days that were right before this massive worldwide flood, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying. They were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark that he had prepared. And they didn't know until the flood came. Everyone say, until it was too late. They didn't know until it was too late. The flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They're not going to know until it's too late. And two will be in the field and one will be taken, the other left. Two, Two women grind the mill and one's taken, the other left. So here's the scripture. Verse 42. Watch. Therefore, watch. Because you don't know the hour that he's coming. Be on guard. Pay attention. Wake up. But know this. That if the good men of the house had known if they'd been, if they'd been watching. And what time the thief would come. He would have been paying attention. He would have watched and he would not have allowed or suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Amen. There is a thief at the door. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray you're anointed upon me as I preach your already anointed word. I pray the anointing on the people that hear the word. Let there be a shift in our thinking, a turning, Lord, in our attention. Guide us with your spirit, Lord. We are founded upon your love. We're founded upon your grace and your mercy. We're saved by faith through grace. It didn't come by ourselves. It came by you. But now, Lord, help us, Lord, this next step, the final few steps. In Jesus' name, amen. All the people said amen. I want you to put your Bibles down behind you and with your hand, lift up your hands as a sign of surrender and worship to God and acceptance of the word that you're about to hear. I receive it, Lord. I surrender to you and I worship to you. I'm lifting up my hands without wrath, without doubting, without skepticism as a sign of surrender to you and as a worship offering to you. I wave my hands before you, Lord. Fill my heart with your word, Lord, your spirit in my life. In the name of Jesus and all the people said in Jesus' name. Now we're taking those hands and we're clapping as an offering unto God. Amen. And all the people said amen and turn to someone close by and say something kind to them. And then you may be seated. Thank you. We have barely turned the page of the Bible's first book. When 
we are suddenly confronted with jealousy and envy. The earth's first family is given a brief exposure. Most of their living is hidden. The scripture will only entail a handful of moments and then they're gone from our sight. Almost a whisper. Adam and then Eve, the garden of Eden. The trees, the water that flows, the mist that watered that whole area. And then came disobedience and they're cast out and they will now raise the initial family, the small family. Their conditions are vague at best. With just at the moment Cain and then Abel. Abel is not the better son. Contrary to any modern thought, Abel is not inherently better than his older brother Cain. He was just simply obedient and his sacrifice was accepted. Whatever we think, the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, the bottom line of separation has and will always be obedience. The sin of disobedience removed Adam and Eve from the most pleasant place on earth. They could ask for nothing more. They had no need, no want, no desire unfulfilled, but disobedience separated them. When we are obedient to the word of God, every other part of our life will fall into place. We're going to go real deep here real quick, but let's just establish this. When we are obedient to the word of God, every other part of our life will fall into place. Obedient to the word and then obedient to godly authority, godly authority. That's a level that pertains to recognition. These are people who recognize spiritual authority and then move on the base of authority. Like the centurion said to Jesus, I'm a man of authority. I recognize you. Just speak the word, Jesus. And then the Lord, he was amazed and said, I've, I've not seen this kind of recognition in all of Israel. Obedience to the will of God is also present. The will of God comes at a cost of our own will. Perhaps you're never going to follow the will of God until you submit, crush, and crucify your own will. Jesus in his natural man, in his humanity, even Jesus said in the garden while he was praying, not my will, but thine be done. The line is obedience. No need to overthink it. We don't have to philosophy about it. Obedience is not up for debate, though many try to do so at their own shame. Those first few chapters of the book of Genesis is a showcase in what happens when we disobey Adam and then Cain, the the first man and the first son. It's a pattern set in the flesh. Mm-hmm. God spoke with Cain. It was Cain's countenance. He was angry. Abel presented a blood sacrifice, but Cain brought an offering of grain. Think about the difference there. Two gifts. They were not just different in substance. They were different in nature. One was an offering. It was replenishable. Grain would come back up again. It would be grown again. Cain brought an offering of wheat. But the lamb was a sacrifice. Gone forever. The life of the body is in the blood. And the blood was spilled. And that lamb would never live again. It was God's design. And Cain disobeyed God's command. What distinguished those sons. Was not home life. It was not their profession. It was not their understanding. It was and shall always be. Obedience. Samuel said it plainly. To obey is better than bringing a sacrifice. Because you obeyed. Because you obeyed from. You obeyed. That means you're blessed. But if you did not obey. If you rationalized your way from it. Or you took yourself out of your umbrella of authority. Then there is no blessing promised. But if you submitted your desire to God, then there's a continual blessing. There is a continual anointing prepared for you. Are you still with me now? I think we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. That's the Bible. 
Study? Good. Yes, that's great. But we do it and then we obey. Because head knowledge is not the same as obedience. Have you prayed? Yes. Did God speak? Yes. But that does not exempt you from obeying. If you're praying, that's a command. Did you give? Did you serve? Did you walk upright? Yes, it's a command. Here's the Bible. What should you do? He has shown me, old man, what is good. I'll tell you what's good and what the Lord requires. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before God. Be obedient to the Lord. Walk justly. Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. That's that's the word. Who, Who wants to debate the word? If you have a problem with the word, then you have a problem with God. So the next time you wonder why you are where you are, when you consider the place where you are, just know this, your level of obedience has brought you to that place. Peter will write a bold and confronting word. He was led by the Spirit. He wrote, and I quote, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what will the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteousness, I'm sorry, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where should the ungodly and the sinner appear? If those people that are righteous doing right in their life is scarcely saved, what happens to those who are just living on the edge and lukewarm and well, a little bit committed, but not all the way, not, not really committed. Hebrews five and nine and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to who? To all who obey him, obey him, obey the gospel. Listen, I love revelations. I love the uncovered hidden truth in the scripture. But if we do not obey, what have we heard? If we do not obey all the things that have been taught, if we're not obedient to the things we've already been receiving, why would we seek for a new revelation? Are you hearing this? And if we do not obey what we know to do, how can we expect God to add any more to our life? Yes, there is a prophetic word. Yes, there are insights more numerous than the stars. But to do what is known is better than to know more. Let me say it again. To do what you know to do is better than to know more stuff and know more insights. Just do what you already know to do. Here's the Bible. Paul's talking about the moment when... When he's reminding the church that they were servants of sin, bound by the things of our temporal carnal man. And then he said, but thank, thanks be to God, you were the servants, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Because you will serve something. Everybody serves something. I'm about to ask some questions here. With the intent of getting back to the simplicity of God's design. His design has often been abandoned because people want to feel included or because of disobedience. His design has been forfeited because of failed spiritual recognition. No authority. When you have no spiritual authority, you're in contrast and you're in, you're, you're, you're contrasting yourself and you're disobedient to the word of God. If you're resistant to the spiritual authority, it will lead you to a downcast spirit. So I ask today, why are you struggling? Why do we have depression? Why so anxious? Lost in anticipation and crashing with every failed expectation. Why? Why do you feel entangled? Frustrated or burdened? Issues always rising, anger and jealousy and lust vying for some place in your life. Why do you feel insecure? Why do we have self-complexes that overwhelm us, torn by whether or not we fit in? Why do you wander like a nomad from church to church, trading one for another? There are people right here today. You may not be here next year because you're trying to find something. Remove yourself. It's not the will of God. Why Why go from one relationship to another relationship? Why are you unsettled, always looking for something better through temporal means? Why are we spending things on ourselves to cover what cannot be hid? 
Why are you carrying the offense that was levied against you and never have relief? Why does it eat your brain and eat up your time? Worse yet, why, why have you taken up someone else's offense? Without ever forgetting about something that did not happen to you. I'm the pastor today. Why is your house out of order? Tell me why your house is out of order. Why does disorder and discontentment and angst, why is it present the moment you open up your door and walk in your home? Why do you question every intent of God as if he has left you or abandoned you? Why do you, why do you have more month at the end of your money? Why do you struggle with giving your tithes or offerings? Why are you always dealing with financial worry all of the time or even at inopportune times? Why are you fretting about things you cannot fix or change? Why do you become bitter at every outcome? I stand to say there's a thief at your door. And if somehow I miss something along those questions, just know there is a temptation with your name written on it. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. You are the good man. You are the person and you must watch and be aware. Open your eyes and your heart and your mind and your ears to the word of God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, too much word and too much teaching has been sown in this house. I know it to be true. We are without excuse. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17. And there was a time of ignorance that God winked at. There was a time when people did not know. They had no access. But now he commands everywhere to repent. Paul asked the church and the congregation of Galatia. He said in Galatians 5, 7, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You were doing so good. You were running so well. You were, you were, you were, you were sacrificing. You were praying. Who got in the way? Who was it that got in the way? The line will always be obedience. It was and it is the eternal separating element and will never be dismissed. Obedience. Here's the Bible. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever you sow, you will reap. Let the laws of Newton be crashed into the sea. Abolish all the laws of nature. But you'll never get rid of this law. It's higher than every other law. You can argue it, argue with it if you must. Go ahead. Get around a little table and argue. Say it won't happen to you. Shake your fist. Individually or collectively at God. But the fact remains, whatever you plant, there's a harvest coming. So I submit, let's plant some good seeds. Let's plant some kingdom seeds that will result in kingdom harvest. How about we plant some prayer that will produce authority in the Holy Spirit? Let's plant some seeds of prayer. Sometimes when you get down to pray or you're in your car praying, don't just think about what you need, but plant seeds of prayer and say, Lord, I just want to say I love you and I praise you and hallowed be your name. I want to say, Lord, let your kingdom come in my life. I'm praying a prayer over my family or my children. I'm praying a prayer for joy. I pray a a prayer for financial blessing and for grace and for mercy. But lust and greed for material things, those things have been planted too. And the return is a basket full of decay and regret. And many people live their lives in decay and regret because that's the harvest that came from their seed. You see, seeds born in disobedience will always leave you sour and sorry. But servanthood and mercy given... And being patient with people. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a little kid, we found some tomatoes 
And on Halloween night, we threw some tomatoes. That was a terrible thing to do. I thought nobody knew. Until about, I don't know, maybe 20 years later, I was in Harrison Hills preaching for Brother, J- Brother, Brother Hugh Rose and some kids while we were in church. They found my tomatoes and my car. Now, what I did, I did that in the country of Missouri. <laughs> I'm confessing my sin. It's covered by the blood. So you cannot do this and, and act like, well, the pastor did that. But it came back to me. Oh, oh yes, yes. We didn't have anything to do. We didn't have internet. We didn't have TV. We didn't have, we didn't have a VCR. We had nothing. We didn't have a phone. We had tomatoes, man. We got a lot of tomatoes. Come on, you can't eat all of them. You got to do things with them. That's what we had. You know, you can only tip so many cows and then you had to go, what, what do you, now what? Now what? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. But a couple decades later, yes, the seeds planted. And you know what? I walked out to my car. I wasn't angry because the Lord said, here's your harvest. (laughs) Man, it was a brand new car. It was so nice. I kept everything clean. It was before I got married. I, I, I didn't have any bobby pins or curlers or shoes left in the car. I didn't have, I, no one really even sat in the front seat and, and, and no one sat in the back seat. It was perfectly nice and clean and waxed. But, but that day, that night, after the revival service was over, Harvest came back in a nondescript place in Harrison Hills, Ohio. No one can even find that place, really even on the map. There's a Harvest. Don't think you're too big to get away from the Harvest. You're not smart enough to get away from your harvest. And if you will obey, here, pastor, if you will obey the word of the Lord and what God has spoken to you, it will keep you and save you. Let's not get fancy with this now. Because you know the word of truth and you know what to do. Let me just say this. Being faithful to this house of worship is a seed planted. And it will result in a lifelong blessing. It will keep you. And let me just say it again. The Jews said that they kept the Sabbath, but in reality, the Sabbath kept them. And you think, well, I'm going to church because that's my obligation. I'll keep my service attendance. Really, it's keeping you. What you didn't know was that while you're making the effort, what you put in, you're getting so much back in return. You're going to say, I'm keeping my commitment. What you didn't know was your commitment is keeping you. I'm keeping my dedication. What you didn't know, your dedication is the one that's surrounding you. The protection of your life is coming from your commitment and your dedication. Amen. So Cain, why are you downcast, Cain? Here's the Bible. If thou doest well, God said, shalt thou not be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin is at the door. It lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. He'll rule over you. Sin will rule over you. And thou shalt rule over them. Think of this. If you do what's right, here's the NIV. You'll not, you, if, if you, if you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you. You can master it. Cain was angry with God. He took it out on his brother. Because that's usually the case. You can never get to God. But you usually attack his nearest representative. It's often the case. Unaccepted by God. Cain had no outside influences that we know of. He had no one to blame. The serpent was not even talking to him. But make no mistake, there was an enemy lying at his door. And the conditions have never changed. If you do what is right. I need to tell somebody this. You do not get to decide on your gift to God. The demand of his kingdom is not subjective. And what makes you feel good on the inside may not satisfy the Lord's requirement of you. Cain brought grain because it was convenient. Yes, it was an offering. 
but it was not a sacrifice. It came from his living. He took it from his field. It was the labor of his hands. But you see, God required blood. Even if Cain's intentions were decent, his intentions did not measure up to God's command. You see, some will be able to give a lamb and others are going to have to seek out a sacrifice. What Cain needed to do was make a trade, wheat for lamb with his brother. He needed to take a few more steps and trade his offering for a sacrifice. But human logic and human reasoning erupted like the flow of a pinned up volcano and it destroyed his life. And you're looking at other people and saying, it's so easy for them. What about me? Well, not everyone has to take the same number of steps. It might take you three or four more just to get to where you need to be. Don't compare yourselves with anyone else. Don't compare yourselves. God might require something of you is not required of someone else. Don't worry about that. You might have been working for the Lord for a long time. You might have been working for God for many, many years. And finally, you get to the place where you have understanding and someone walks in and they find their same place within a matter of days. Don't get angry about that. He should have made the trade with his brother because the offering and the sacrifice are two different things. It was God's requirement. So he took it out on his brother. He murdered his brother in cold blood. The first blood spilled was by the hand of a brother When the man was angry at God, unwilling to offer what God expected, it was born out of disobedience. There is an enemy lying at the door. If you obey, you'll be in good standing with God. Everybody may not like you. This is what the disciples said. Whether we should hearken unto God, rather unto men, judge ye. For if I should obey men, I cannot please God. So I'm not always happy about the word that the Lord gives me. Because it doesn't always come across so well to you. I have not always garnished goodwill from the people in the pew listening to me. But I have to ask myself, is it better for me to obey God or to make you happy? If I obey God, it might not feel too good. Because I might lose something along the way. But I'm going to gain something that I cannot pay for and I cannot buy. I want to tell somebody here. If you'll just obey God. You might lose a friend. You might lose a neighbor. You might lose a loved one. You might lose a job. You might lose a position. But you're going to gain something that you cannot buy. I'd rather be in favor with the most high God. Than be be welcomed in every, every other place. David said it like this. I'd rather just hold the door for the people walking into the house that enjoy all the tents, all the world. And be accepted. That's right. Don't overcomplicate this matter. This is not a point. You don't have to use any analytical approach. You can't graph this thing. You cannot talk your way out of it. You can't think your way out of it. You don't have enough intellectual prowess to dismiss yourself away from the obedience of God. You don't have enough talent to out, to outperform obedience. I remember the old adage about the, the mother and she's correcting the son and the son is a terrible son. I'm not talking about my kids, but this, this would apply to them also. And the son, he's making, it's a terrible thing. And she finally said, you're going to sit there. You're going to sit. You're going to sit on that chair. And he retorted back to his mother. I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It might look like you're doing everything just right, but on the inside, your heart is disobedient. You got to get your heart in the right place. And if you get your heart, your spirit in the right place, your body is soon to follow. Because you're not led by anything but your heart. If your heart's in the right place, then God sees your heart and he knows. And it's going to come out in the way you live. I hope I have friends. I hope I have people that love me around me. I want to have friends. But I've, I've had to make this choice many years ago. It was hurtful and painful. 
Because any friend who encourages you to reject the written word of God or the anointed word of God or spiritually directed directives of the Lord, they're really not your friend. They're just the voice lying at the door. There is an enemy, ladies and gentlemen, crouching at your door. It desires to consume you, to devour you, but you must master it. You have to be the master of it. It's always there. Doubt, skepticism, anguish, all of that stuff. You, I'm going to tell you why we're ha- The answer to all of the previous questions asked is because we haven't obeyed God. We didn't obey God. We've been letting a cacophony of voices creep into our mind and all these things happen to us. And all of a sudden, we are living in disobedience. We're reaping the harvest of disobedience. And we're wondering what happened. See, your house is you. And your house is healthy or unhealthy, depending on your level of obedience. The house is first you, because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And secondly, I would submit your house is your family. And your house is also the extension of your influence. The people you're around, what do you allow? Can I just say this? It's not always... The person at your table that corrupts you. The telltale is always who you have not allowed at your table. You don't want, you want a voice that agrees with you, but you don't want anyone that will correct you or, or instruct you. Your table is not just, your life is not just indicative of who is sitting at your table. It's also who's not sitting there. That's right. Your house is finally our house is a dedicated place of our worship. Jesus didn't say that the enemy came to break in. He said that if the good man knew what time he was coming in, he would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Don't think that this is a flippant matter. He was supposed to be watching. He would have known when the enemy was coming, but he was not watching. And he would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Because the thief, the Bible says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, he said, therefore let us not sleep as others do. That means that some are going to be sleeping and others are going to be awake. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunk are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Can I read it again? Do not sleep. There is an enemy at your door. The guard is the armor of faith and love and the hope of salvation. There has to be a defense against the elements of this age. And while I know that someone will misinterpret my motive, let it be known that this is the call of the Holy Spirit. Get in this house and stay planted. Find your root and be planted and stay guarded and be grounded. And I know what the commentary is. Well, Pastor, you're just trying to have more people. That's right. I want to have more folks that are going to heaven. I want to have more grounded folks. It's not for me. It's for us. If you'll be devoted by being committed, we must become sold out. If you'll be that, it'll change your harvest. You have no idea what can happen in one harvest. Immersed, saturated, so that we live and think and eat and breathe praise and worship and the word and witnessing and prayer, prayer meetings and Bible studies, the church, outreach, baptisms, giving, serving, sacrifice, all of it. Is that overwhelming? Do you know that there's a growing Christian community and when, when some of the Christian people walk into this church, they're overwhelmed by the, by, by what, what we think is common. I'm unapologetic. Because our this is our whole life. This is not what we do on Sunday. Wait a second. This is not what we do on Sunday. This is who we are. It defines us. I don't want to be.
be known by where I attend. I want to be known by who I serve. I'm a servant of the Most High God. Yay! Let me be real, if, if in case it's been weak so far. Let me just get real strong here. Do we have coffee drinkers, real coffee drinkers? I, I can tell you I'm not a real coffee drinker. I, I kill the coffee with cream. I, I kill it. I know, I, I'm sorry, all of you that are real coffee drinkers. And, you, you know, people buy coffee, flavored coffee, different types, levels of coffee. And they can taste the difference. It don't matter what you give me. By the time I'm done with my French vanilla, it all tastes the same to me. I, I apologize to all those that I've offended. But it really don't matter. A little sweetener and, and a little French vanilla. And I, I know, I know what you're going to say, you know. You know, the, 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 the artificial flavors, you know, pink will give you cancer and the yellow one will give you Alzheimer's. Just mix them together. You won't know that you're sick. That's, it's, it's terrible advice. Don't do that. I just. You'll forget that you ever went to the doctor. <laughs> I've been all over the world. I've had real Arabian coffee. I've, I've been in this little cafes and, and, and out right, right in downtown Paris and just walked in these places and, and, and the young French guys that were with me, the, the, they, they said, here, here, pastor, have this. And, and I, it was just a little shot glass of this. It looked like syrup, man. You just, you, you drink that. And then he said, that's all we'll need for the day, man. He was not joking. I can remember that day. We had a baguette and a bottle of water. Said, just have this little, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to run all day. And man, I drank that. We walked outside. They said, how do you feel? I said, I'm alive. <laughs> Woo! Catacombs, here we come. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did all that. So just, just to get straight here, just so you know what this house is about. It's an all out, sold out. No half-hearted. No, we ain't playing no games. We're not playing games. You feel a little left out. I'll tell you why. Because you don't come to the prayer room. You don't come to the altar. You don't serve. You're not giving. I'll tell you why you're on the out. Because you've been sowing seeds of selfishness. Because your your whole your whole garden is filled with what do I get out of it? That's why you feel the way you're feeling. Because you go back to your home and everything's chaos because you, you you didn't pay attention to the lessons that were provided and the things about order and the structure and having peace. Instead, you just flip on the TV and it's just running right now. In fact, when you get home, there's something going on. You never even turned it off. Because you're consumed. You're a news junkie. You're a political junkie. You're a movie junkie. You're, you're a Facebook junkie. It don't matter how many times I talk about it. You just keep going back to that. I, Okay, it's kind of syrupy right now. Ooh, my hair is on fire, man. Pastor was on fire. Okay, yes, granted, I had four cups of coffee, so just get over it with a lot of cream. Just want you to know, you want to be saved? Get in. Get all the way in. You want to go to heaven? Don't play games with God. This is not the time. Be sober. Be diligent. You got a thief at the door. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm asking you, is it too much to live your total life for the Lord? You are the people of the day. We must become a living sacrifice. And God said, that's just reasonable. Now, I'm not picking on people, but I'm just going to tell you, some people think that's unreasonable. God thinks that's just your reasonable service. Some people think, man, that's just way up there. I don't even know if I'll ever get that. God said, that's the ground floor. That's just the ground floor that you will present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm killed. Paul said, I'm killed all the day long. What? 
That means my flesh is always on the altar. I'm always, Paul got up and said, I die every day. I get up and I die. I look in the mirror and I say, die, flesh, die. Because you gotta, you got to have the kingdom inside you. you got to be sold out and bought. you got to be constrained all day, every day. Now, okay, just chalk this whole thing up to me being a hyper. I'm fine. But I'm in the word. And the Lord revealed this to me. And when God spoke it, I, I immediately wrote it down. This is what the Lord said. I'll just tell you what, he, what I felt through my spirit. Some people are consumed by the wounds that they received. So they let their hearts become unguarded and the thief has come inside to break them up. Yes, you've had disappointment and wounds, hurts and pains. And the thief has come through that door because you didn't lay yourself out on the altar. But I'm going to tell you, today is your day to stand and be sober and watch and make a commitment and say, you know what? I'm going to keep Sunday and Sunday's going to keep me. And on Monday, I'm going to keep myself as a sacrifice and my sacrifice is going to keep me. Jesus said, the word said, they that be drunk are drunken in the night. Yes, some are drunk on pleasure and some on money and some on career and some on inclusion, others on education. Some people live their life for vacations and good times and all of that can happen in the night. It's not the time of day. It's not the physical day. It means both the world and the last moments of this dispensation. Can you imagine people be lost in the last moments of time? They came all this way only to be lost in the final hour of time. It's like the man who served the Lord all of his life, but he backslid in the last year of his living. Yes, there will be 11th hour Believers, this is the Bible, there will be a last minute revival. It's going to be like a last minute revival. But the sad truth is that there will always also be a last hour falling away. That's your Bible too. They'll be lost in the last minute of time consumed by an offense that in relationship is just a speck compared to eternity. They will be found in the night, sleeping or drunk, unaware of the enemy's advances. Some will be drowning in the pain of the past or the infractions of their present. I've come with a word from the Lord today. There is a thief at your your door. He's crouching. He's ready to consume you, to break up your house. But you must stand guard and be aware and get sober and be sober and be diligent and be vigilant and say, no, not this house. You have to say, not in this house. Not in this house and not in my church house. Not with my friends and not with my family. No, we're going to be on guard. Because I hear that sound. That sound leads me away from the Lord. I know that image. That leads me away from commitment. I know that philosophy. And that philosophy will lead me away from the Holy Ghost. I know what you're trying to say. That What you're trying to say is I don't need to have a commitment. I don't need to have any spiritual authority. But I rise to say, not in this house. Oh, no, 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 no. Not in this house. We're going to be a holy, set-apart people. A bride whose garment are not blemished or spotted or wrinkled. Amen. Now, I didn't write this. This is in the Bible. I did not write this. The new birth experience is found in John chapter 3. Jesus said, except a man is born again of the water and of the spirit. These are baptisms. Water baptism and spirit baptisms. It's born out through the rest of the, of the New Testament. It came to fruition in Acts chapter 2 when the, when the church was first birthed in Acts 2. They were born of the water and the spirit. Because Peter said, repent. That's the death of Jesus Christ. That's how I can die. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That means to obtain remission of sins. This is baptism of water. This is what the early church did. This is what they've been, they've been doing for 2,000 years, baptism. Ananias said to, said to Paul when he was converted, Why are you tarrying? Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 
In the Bible, no one was baptized in any other way but in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the name of the, of the, of the Father is Jesus. That's, that's Isaiah 9 and 6. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor of the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The name of the Son is Jesus. And the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, Jesus said, I will send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. The Father will send it in my name. The Bible says the whole family of heaven and earth is named after that name. Colossians 3 and 17 says, whatever you do in word or in deed, that's deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is why we baptize, because no one was ever baptized any other way but in the name of Jesus. And then the, then the, the other thing is the resurrection. It's the resurrection of the Holy, of, 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 of the Holy Ghost. And that's the baptism of spirit. Right? Paul found disciples that were believers. He didn't say that they weren't believers. He said in Acts 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we don't even know what that is. Paul laid his hands on them and they all spake with tongues. The number of the men were 12. This is the Bible. Here's the scripture. It's right. That's the scripture. So do not misquote me. Don't twist what I'm about to say. Because you now know what I believe. But it's going to take more than just the new birth to get you to heaven. There is a life to live after you come up out of the water and you're born again of the spirit, the water and repentance. You have to live your life. That means you have to put on the whole armor of God. And the whole armor of God was not written so that we could have some nice material for the bulletin boards in our Sunday school classrooms. Ephesians chapter 6 has great imagery for clip art and pictures. But Paul was not writing to just the Sunday school division. This, ladies and gentlemen, is war. It's a war that we must win because we are warriors and we're going to put on the whole armor of God. We are advancing and yes, we are protecting. We are standing and we are fighting for what the Bible says is right. We are fighting the good fight of faith. And we can ill afford to go to sleep now. It's high time for everyone to wake out of slumber and sleep. And by all means, whatever you do, be sober because you have an adversary He's coming at an angel of light and he lies at the door. And people, not just the spirit world, your friends, your neighbors, they may try to detract, distract you or deter you. Love them, but don't get your eyes off of the prize. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking now because not everyone who asks you a question really wants an answer. They might just be asking a question to plant in you a seed of doubt. The good man, the good lady, the good young man, the good elderly lady has to stay vigilant, awake, sober, centered, stable, and steadfast. There is a thief at your door. But if you do what's right, you're going to be the master of it. You're going to be an overcomer. You're going to rise above that. And I feel like even in this house, some have come wavering on their commitment. But today is the day that you finally say... I'm in all the way. I am in all the way. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to distract me. I'm going to be sober. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm not going to go to sleep in the night. It's too late in the hour for us to go to sleep. The Lord's coming is too soon. You've got to be ready. Come on, everybody, lift your voice and your hands and your heart to God right now. We are awake. We are vigilant. We are about the Father's business. Amen. Please stand now. Did I preach too short? Should I have gone 15 more minutes? Listen, I ran out of notes. I'm not just going to make more stuff up. And I also feel led that the Lord has given you the word. You've got the word in your heart. We just sowed a seed right now. There's a seed. Something's got to come up. So here's what we're going to say to ourselves. I was glad 
when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. There is freedom in the house of the Lord. We're going to say to our neighbors, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. How do you make the Lord bigger? You can't make him any bigger than he already is, but you can make him bigger to you. Let me just show you how great he is. He consumes me. In him I live and breathe and have my being. I'm moving in him. You ought to walk out of this house and wherever you go, you ought to be saturated with the Holy Ghost. Just so when you walk out, you are full of faith. And when the enemy comes with doubt and skepticism, you rebuke that spirit and say, oh no, I'm blood bought. I'm a child of the most high God. Yes. I, I already got it. I already got it. So I'm just, I'm helping you because the question will come. Well, do you really have to do all of that? Do you have to do all of that? Instead of making the argument, why don't you just say, oh no, I get to do all of this and I'm hoping to do more. And in fact, instead of trying to defend yourself, you should just say, oh, it's the best life living for God. And I want to do a lot more, a lot more serving and a lot more worshiping, a lot more commitment tomorrow than I did today. No, no, you're not going to bring me down. There's a thief at that door. And I know what that thief sounds like. I know what that thief wants. He wants to come in and break up everything and destroy everything. But today, we're going to make our calling and our election set in stone and in concrete that cannot be broken up. We're going to, the Bible says, make it sure. A sure place. You ain't driving me out, devil. And I can't be offended enough to backslide. And there ain't nothing around me, not family, friends, not neighbors, not politics, not the county, not... Wait, I'm about to, I'm about to really hurt you. Not the gas prices... <laughs> Eat Roman noodles. Fill up your tank and get to church. It, it's, it's terrible. I'm sorry. Buy a donkey. Can, can, can we get like a little corral for the horses and the carriages and all that stuff? I, I think that's, I think that's what happens. We, we, we read the book of Revelation wrong. The reason why there's four horsemen because there wasn't enough money to buy gasoline. So they just got four horsemen there. I don't know. That, that may not be true. But you don't sac- sacrifice anything, but you don't sacrifice your time in the house. Listen, we're not the first country to have to sacrifice to get together. But we're going to say, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to guard our house. We're going we're gonna to learn from the Lord. And we're not going to sacrifice our lives in this world. We're not going to plant seeds out there. But I'm going to plant seeds right here in this, in this word in the kingdom. And it's going to change my life. Now with your hands lifted up, receive the word that I just preached to you. And I receive it. Come on with your spirit and your heart. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. It's got to be kind of fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking about all these old songs. I I don't know. This old, this old song said, the Holy Ghost told me everything's gonna be alright. Say, I got a feeling, I've got a feeling, everything's gonna be alright. I've got a feeling, everything's gonna be alright. Be alright, be alright, be alright. I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Oh, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Be alright, be alright, be alright. Come on, put your hands together. Say, the Holy Ghost told me. Everything's gonna be alright. The Holy Ghost told me everything's gonna be alright. Oh, oh, the Holy Ghost told me everything's gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. Be alright.
just wait a second. I just I just had this image in my mind. And I think we're all going to sing it as a big choir. Do you know what part you sing? All the men? Are you a tenor or baritone? Okay, find one of those parts. If you don't know the part, just sing. I, I didn't give you a microphone, just sing. I need altos. And I need sopranos. Listen, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of like in, the, in this little suburb, walked into this church, there's 350 uh, um they're, they're from Haiti, 350 Haitian French speaking people. I walked into this church and they got a platform. It's not very big. In fact, the, 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 the instruments have to be on the floor and the place is packed and they've got this, these chairs and then they've got folding chairs. They got plastic chairs. It's just, we're just packed out. They, the, the pastor said, he said, we would like to have a, a choir, but there's no room for people to get up on the platform. So the whole church is the choir. And men, they were throwing down, singing. Everybody was in the choir. Everybody, I think we should do this right here. I, I feel like this should be a whole choir. And we ought to be singing ourselves into joy. We're going we're to sing ourselves into worship. Sing ourselves into confidence. Are you ready? Find your part. Here we go. I've got a feeling safe. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Come on, everybody, say Everything's gonna be alright. Oh, the Holy Ghost told me everything's gonna be alright. Oh, yes, now the Holy Ghost told me everything's gonna be alright. Now, Lord, I come before you right now. The word has been sown. And I'm praying, let everyone in this house reach a new level of soberness, awareness, and vigilance. I speak against things, dominions, powers, principalities, commentaries, the elements of the present age. I take dominion over them. But I know that they will press today and tomorrow and so I pray today let everyone who hears the word and have heard the word today help us to consume it I pray in Jesus name that this word will not part from us but we will keep it and I pray today Lord let the things that we know that are true and that are in your scripture in your anointed and established word let them guide our lives and help this house to be a totally committed house of love mercy forgiveness acceptance devotion to the doctrine of Jesus Christ bathed in the Holy Spirit and I pray Lord that there be a confirmation of the doctrine as it was in the days of the Bible with miracles and signs and wonders. I pray that in the coming days and weeks and months, things will happen in this house we cannot explain. And we're going to walk away saying only God could have done that. I pray for the unexpected blessings in the lives of people because they've been sowing to the kingdom. I pray for the unexpected miracle, Lord, that we didn't even know was possible. I pray for everything that you have promised us to come back to fruition, Lord. Yea, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In the name of Jesus. And let there be an explosion of a mighty revival of brand new people, of backsliders, of people that are discouraged, of people that are hungry. I pray, Lord, let it fill this house until we cannot consume it in the, in the four walls that we have. I pray, Lord, for an explosion of the Holy Ghost inside of every home. And I pray right now, Lord. 
Help us to set our house in order so that we can entertain the spirit. Because we know order is going to bring peace. And order is going to bring security. And I pray for commitment and consecration. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And if you'll just accept that and receive that prayer for yourself, just let the Lord know. Let the Lord know. Yes.